0: So like I said, in my, in my opinion, I've noticed, I feel like I've been noticing that um, America society, American society has like shown uh, zero respect for black men um, as men as it relates to any other nationality um, of men. And it started, I started noticing a lot just through uh, forms of media and just personal interactions with people where I would see all the time, like uh, black men kind of cowering in the presence of European men, women or children or, um, you know, watching their speech and these is like grown men and it's like a modern day and I still notice little things where like, you know, black men feel like they can't really talk a certain way in public and it's kind of weird because I don't really notice it in any other type of men. Um, even when you go to other um let's say other ethnicities or other minority groups, they still have a, a different tone of freedom where they feel like they can say things as a man and they don't really worry about the repercussions or consequences as much as black men. Um, so that kind of triggered me to say, you know, what, what's going on with the African-American man, you know, the black male and um, what can he do or what are we doing to, uh, to better our image in a, in, a, in a sense of like gain our respect back because to me it's completely lost. And we kind of just, um, I notice we kind of dwell in it where we just kind of like, hey, people don't respect us. And that's just the way it is. We gotta be safe and cautious out here as black men in America. But um, in my opinion, I feel like that's getting to a point where it's no longer um, acceptable. Um, I know for myself personally, I think more and more about how unacceptable that is to really try to teach a principle to a young man um, about how to be a man. But yet they're going to see me do certain things that don't correlate with what I'm teaching them or mentoring young black males to grow up to be like. Um, so, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of have a conversation about, like, what do you think... Um, the images and stereotypes and expectations of black men are in America and how does that affect you personally?
1: Yeah man. <clears throat> this is Faya responding, a man Conan Powers. It's a good uh a good topic. It's a good subject, man. You know, I have a feeling it's gonna be one of those that you know you're gonna have to put different parts to it because, you know, it's open ended, but you know that that has the advantage of being able to just sort of speak freely as a broad topic. Mm -hmm. I think uh, to start off, fundamentally, I would say, I think some of the distinctions that you just spoke about, uh, where you see other individuals from different races, ethnicities and groups able to speak more freely, I think uh, the fact that you see that on the outside, or you see that behavior exhibited, is it's an indication of what's on the inside, right? So when a person is gonna be free, person is first free in in and of himself, and then what you will see expressed is what that person is more on the inside, and I think what that what that means to me is, we we as black men, and this especially in this country have been raised to, uh, we've been raised in sort of an arrested development. So the fact that you go out and you're told to not speak with so much base, if you want to make it in certain spaces, to lower your voice to be humble, to work two, three times as hard and expect only what what the others get uh, for working, you know, only one time is hard, and uh, you know all these uh, step here, don't step there, walk softly here, because these are all sort of things that could uh, determine our success or failure in the world. Um, I think that that's an that's an indicator of us being raised in an arrested sort of mentality to where we're not truly free on the inside, right? Whereas other races of men who have not been raised with sort of those mental barriers and constant checks and balances, they they just, they're more free and so they express themselves accordingly. And I think one of the things that we as black men in this country, we face, we face a legacy of internal checks and balances. Some of those things historically were necessary for our survival and well being, we had to learn to not be too ambitious about starting businesses about speaking our mind in public. About taking the time to talk and gather together and socialize because these things at one point were uh, strictly against the law now they're against the law sort of ad hoc the police will come and break up a group or uh, you know white folks will come around and start to feel uncomfortable if you're speaking together, especially too intelligently. So all these things that cause us to retreat within ourselves, they wind up making us smaller men inside, like we're not fully developed. So we speak like that. I mean, we, we're constantly checking ourselves. So the first step, I mean, to me, I mean, if The goal is not to be like Mexicans or white men or Asian men, whatever. They are the form of expression of themselves given their own uh, realities of freedom. I think us as black men, once we get to know ourselves and who we are intimately as individuals, and then we realize the hopes and dreams that we have and we wanna be free, and we challenge ourselves to think freely, that will start to show up on the outside. and Though I think there'll be consequences to it, right? We'll get pushback, we'll get resistance from society at large. And I dare say, you know, too often our own black women, you know, whether well-intentioned or just reflexive, people aren't used to us being free. you? they're used to us being checked and we talk like we're checked. We behave like we're checked. We think like we're checked. And anything outside of that can often get interpreted as uh, toxic nowadays or dangerous or uh, you know uppity, arrogant sort of things. But in spite of all that, I think you know we have to challenge ourselves to, to keep making a run for freedom.
0: Yeah, no, that makes, yeah, I agree um and that's that's kind of why I wanted to have a discussion cuz I feel like it's just not even enough discussion around the the situation and it's like as a man eventually you know you have to take responsibility for your own actions that's just one thing that I believe whether right or wrong and then as you as you become better at that and you learn that you're not always going to make the right decision and you can um you know Let's say, in a positive way, you can um criticize yourself so that you could do better. I think that you make more and more decisions, and um you're not so worried about whether it's the right decision or the wrong decision um and I think a lot of times because the black male is under so much scrutiny that a lot of times we overthink our decision making processes and our um our position and our role. Even in the fight for justice or freedom itself. Um, because right. like, if a man can't protect his family, it's only so much he really might feel like he can do. So he's like, you know, he kind of stepped back in this fight for, for justice. You know, you don't see a group of black men storming the state capitol because they say, what, well, you know, we'll get shot. And that it is. We think these through and we think them through to the, to, the, to the point where it's like we're not even active because once we think it through, the end result for us is usually something fatal. It's not like we never really get a smack on the wrist. So if we want to do things like like the Black Panthers or Nation of Islam, where you see these people who um, pretty much had their stuff together and how they got destroyed, that can be very discouraging for a Black male to think like, okay, well, how am I going to do better than that? And you just kind of become passive even though it goes against your nature of how you feel and what you think, you, you basically repress that um, down to the smallest form to the simplest form where you just not reactive because you can't really do what you really want to do. And um, I think that is a time where we have to see how that's destroying us on the inside and it's not helping our situation as a whole. Um, when we continue to see these um, fights for, for uh, equality or, Injustice against injustice, and um, usually it revolves around the black man. So you'll have like um, George Floyd as a recent example, where it's like all these people come out to support this cause, whether they're doing it uh, with ill intent or not. The point is they come out, they support this cause, they 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 act like they support it, and you really just don't see black men at the forefront of those movements, even though we might be. Uh, the primary victims. So it's people that uh, fight for um, policies to remove uh, mass incarceration, but you don't really see black men at the forefront. So it's like, why can we be the victims of so many things, but then we don't have a lot of black men fighting for those things. Like we're not defending ourselves um, against the very things that we know are attacking us and are affecting us directly. And I just think that that's quite odd in a, in a society where people claim that these things don't really even exist. Like people will tell us in a heartbeat that, um, you know, racism ain't as bad as it used to be. And it's like, well, the reactions of black men is saying otherwise, because it's obviously equally as bad because otherwise there will be no, no fear um, about speaking up against injustice because you can do it the, the politically correct way and get a politically, correct response, but we know that that's not true.
1: True, it's like, it, it sort of brings a couple of things to mind. It's like, we have to look at the overall reality of our situation. And our situation, no matter who we are in this society and world, in this case, we're talking about black men in the Northern United States black men who were born and raised here, you know, uh, ADOS to some people, American descendants of slavery or foundational black American. Think of another camp. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: think that, uh, we have to look at the overall picture of how we are here. And the problem with especially these uh, current generations, these recent generations is we tend to compartmentalize our realities. We think of things in terms of since the day we was born or maybe what our parents have told us. And even once we get information about what our parents or grandparents might've told us, we sort of put that sort of on the back shelf like that's just some stuff back there up in the attic that you know has no relevance to where we're at in the room and in the spaces we occupy. But in reality, who we are is not just who we are in our lifetimes. It's who we are historically. It's like a marathon. If, if the person that came before me was only able to achieve a certain distance, that means when I grab that baton and I'm going to run the length and I'm going to run, I'm going to start out in a certain place. You know, it's going to be, it could be everybody else's way down the track. It could be they've lapped me a couple times in here. I'm trying to run and compete, man. And I don't know if I start a, re- a marathon race, a relay race, and I'm three, four, five laps behind, and everybody else is just, you know, strolling past, and I got extra weight strapped to me. You know what I mean? My, my sort of uh, desire, my confidence, my uh, esteem all of these factors that's going to contribute to my competitiveness and my nature is gonna be affected by that. And I think that we refuse, we, I say we, we don't, I won't say we refuse to study history. I'll say we as black Americans, we don't study history enough. The same way they kept books and history from us before, I think, By virtue of those same mental shackles and distractions, I don't think we look at the big picture enough. And there is a reason why us as black men, we have sort of the mental psychological weights that we have. I mean, they're trained in us from our earliest moments and they're they're given to us, not sort of in an ambiguous way, like, yeah. Um, this is what we inherited from our fathers in some sort of ambiguous theory. No, we point to real memories like when we're little. When we're little, like our parents covered us more closely. Stay over here. Don't talk to them. Who are you looking at? Don't look over there. All this sort of restrictive behavior. That is something that's real that's given to us. Hey, you got to work twice as hard if you want to make it. Hey, if you get stopped by the cops, don't look at, don't say nothing, you sit there, you just answer like this, you know? These are very real behaviors that are taught. They're concrete things, right? They're not just some sort of spirit we, we have to prove that we have gotten from our forefathers. No, you can track many of these indicators. And what happens is we grow up within those harnesses and within those boundaries and we we impose them because we internalize and we learn them and then they become part of who we are as a method of living and surviving. And so they're, they're there. And then when we find ourselves in situations, we tend to think, okay, if I do speak out, it's kamikaze time, right? Because I'm supposed to deal with this in a very passive way. I'm supposed to study these people and not offend them and know how they work and turn it into a joke and escape over here and all these tactics we have to live and defend ourselves as black men. Well, we know that when we say, that's enough, I ain't taking no more, I'm making a stand. In our mind, that equals kamikaze, that equals it's the end, this is it, it's going down, all or nothing. That's why we are so reluctant to sort of go there and make a stand, whereas other groups, since they're not raised with that uh, mentality, and oftentimes the reality doesn't impose such strict, com- severe consequences on them, right? They're able to sort of make those stands and everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes that makes perfect sense. Um, and again, that's why I think it's time to have these conversations because. I'm starting to feel more and more like, you know, we have to um, we have to unify in some way, shape or form, even if it's just a small group of like minded people and not necessarily to uh, to form some kind of organization or group where we trying to protest against uh, uh, the American government or anything, even if it's just to talk and, um, you know, repair damages within ourselves. Um, I think it's important that, that black men start taking that serious being that we can, we usually are the target for a lot of other people's, uh, animosities, hatreds, and rage. And you could look at it a lot of different ways. Like some people can just say, Hey, somewhere down the line, you know, black males have, have screwed something up. And regardless of why, um, you know, how long are they going to use the reasons why as an excuse or a reason to justify their current actions or lack thereof. So when we do talk about um, black males aggression towards each other, where a black male might be very eager to physically assault or attack another black male, but they won't be so eager to do that with um, a group outside of Outside of the black males, we can we can psychologically say, oh, these are the reasons why. Um, But do we really have um, solutions or or even expectations within ourselves to say, hey, we're not going to do this no more just because we know that's not the way either. like when do we kind of convert our ways of thinking and um, put those thoughts together sort of like these type of projects that me and you are doing where we say, hey, we have to try to attempt something new because to continue to repress it is just not fair. It's not fair to the people who, who are fighting for us genuinely, and it's not fair to ourselves to uh, just kind of take that passive road, knowing that we have so much more potential, but um, just are unable to uh, overcome those uh, fear factors and barriers. So I was just going to think about some of the, some of the mentalities that I come across from black males and I'll just kind of say what I think and what I've noticed about them and how at the end of the day it's kind of the same end result regardless to what type of black male that I encounter. so like if I encountered um the black military man you know who justifies fighting for his oppressor and does so you know with pride like They proud about being in the military. I'm a black military man and and I fought hand in hand with with the fellow man or whoever. At the same time, you fighting for a country that, you know, the history of and, you know, have oppressed you, but you do that with pride. And in addition to that, I don't see a lot of black military men coming to the black communities. Um, doing summer boot camps with, with young men to teach them the benefits of even um, not necessarily joining the military but um, implementing those principles of discipline. It's like okay, you can be a black military male but why aren't you even giving that back to the black community to say hey I'm gonna give these young men something that I've learned from um, from the military not necessarily a secret or something that you can't that you can't teach but just basic, Um, principles you don't see the army national guard um, coming to the black community or black men that have served come to the black community to give something positive they'll just kind of say hey they served and they proud of serving but they don't do anything when it comes to fighting against oppression and then you have like um you know you have the black male convict who may have been arrested and feel like he don't have nothing to contribute to society because he's constantly begging for forgiveness from everybody for, for whatever he was convicted of, whether right or wrong, whether even if it's unjustified you know you'll see a man who has a criminal history and it takes away from him where he feel like hey, I can't say certain things I can't get certain jobs and they just kind of take a, a passive role where they kind of just accept um, where they are in life. And then you have the alternative, you know the good guy who, who always followed the rules and never been arrested. And, and he does so with the, with the idea that all the other Black men just need to get their minds right. But at the same time, that type of mentality, like there's no group that comes back to the Black community and give as a group to say, hey, this is how you survive. Um, as Black men in America, they usually marry off to some other group and kind of leave the black community behind. And these are just different type of males, like I said, that I've encountered. And then um, you got the wise black man who basically says, you know, everybody else kind of kind of stupid and blind because they don't know what he know, but there's no collective effort or assertive effort from multiple wise black men that constantly go to their communities to try to help or empower their people. Um, but more so, it seems like, you know, criticism or condemning to say, hey, you don't know what I know and you need to read more brother, brother, this, brother, brother, that. And it's like, okay, you reach out to them and at the end of the day, they're not really doing anything to make a, a bigger impact. Um, then you have the kumbaya type of black man who just don't see color and everything is all good in his mind um, where he's not he's not acknowledging the the traumas and things that happen to black men because maybe they have, just chosen to ignore it or they have moved on because they might have got a, a little piece of the American pie or whatever. You know, and I can go on about just different types of black men I encounter, but I've noticed that at the end of the day, there's no collectiveness amongst any of those particular groups of people, even um, even with their peers. So if we can say we're all kind of different types of black men, that may be true, but even those different types of Black men don't seem to have a sense of togetherness that is that is uh, solidly Black, if that makes sense. And I think that that's becoming um, just basically something that I've noticed. And I, I can't say that it kind of bothers me to an extent because I'm like, this doesn't, it's not making sense to me in my head where I'm like, okay, I know why, but it has to be, at some point, we have to acknowledge that we are not doing um, as much as we can do and as much as we should be doing in this fight towards injustice and inequality and whatnot
1: facts man facts uh, well said uh while you were talking and I'll just sort of you know i'll I'll sort of uh shadow what you're saying this time uh, I think that uh, well one some one thing you said earlier, what it brought to mind was When we diagnose when we when we talk about the reasons and the forces that act that act upon us that sort of cause our condition. One thing I notice is we're we black men are the only of the only essentially the only segment of society that is not allowed to talk about hostile forces that act upon us. And what do I mean? When we say um, these are the forces that are acting upon us, often what we get is, "Okay, okay. Well, when you gonna stop with the excuses? Yeah, the white man. Yeah, the white man. At some point, it's not the white man. At some point, it's you." Now, I understand the, the you know, the necessity, the need for self-accountability. That's very real. However, no other group is told to exclusively focus on self-accountability without noting, without seeing, without calling out the hostility that they face especially if it's on an ongoing basis. Case in point, Eurocentric Jewish people, right? And no shade against them, but they're allowed to talk about what happened in Germany. Right. They're allowed to talk about people throwing rocks and bottles and malta cocktails or, or whatever they they feel is a threat to them. Right. And they're allowed to talk about it, rehash it, talk about it, even if it's something from 1944. Right. But there's never sort of this collab collective voice to shout them down and say, you're not allowed to talk about that. And, uh, Again, no shade at them, but I would say using that template against, with us Black men, if we wanna talk about slavery, we wanna talk about uh, Black codes, segregation, prison industrial complex, right? School to prison pipeline, uh, you know, police violence. When When we wanna talk about these things, we run the risk of getting accused of scapegoating or coming up with excuses, so we will often tend to neglect the very real factors that's that's cause, that's causing us problems and shaping our young men. As part of our uh, solution and restorative process, we're we you know we're expected to exclude a whole plethora of factors, and sure. and that's not very realistic. I mean, part of diagnosing a problem. Right, if you go to the doctor and you say, Doc, uh, you know, I I'm coughing like I got this pain in my throat. I've been coughing, and they say, Well, what what what's going on in your life? And you say, Well, these people keep blowing smoke in my face every day. I'm I'm in a house that's full of people that smoke. They blow the smoke in my face. Um, I don't got good food to eat. You know what I mean? They come and kick my ass once a week. And then is a doctor likely to say, you know what, I understand that. But you know what, let's not make excuses. Let's focus on what you can do for your health. And you say, okay, I'm with it. The doctor said, well, you know, might want to take this medicine and start taking this food. You like, cool. You go back home to the same situation. I guarantee you, when you go back to the doctor, you're going to have some of the same results. Why? Because you're leaving out a whole important piece of the diagnosis. It's not that you exclude the self-help, it's that you have to be honest about the entire assessment so that you can correctly deal with it. So that any responsible doctor in that case would say, yes, get fresh air, walk, change your diet, do something about that smoke. Because see, if you keep living in a house full of smoke, Guess what? Your lungs that you're gonna. No matter how much you do for yourself, you're you're still being exposed to the same reality, right? So you part of the diagnosis is acknowledging everything,
0: right? Right.
1: Uh, as black men, that's part of what we have to do, and we got to be free to do that. Right. Got to know we're free to do that. When we start talking about our realities, we can't let anybody shame us into saying. Hey, we're tired of the excuses, right? If you, if you, um, uh, I know we we did a uh, we did a podcast a while back that we talked about. I think I brought up an example of planting a plant in rotten soil. Yeah, I remember that. We're often told, "Hey, leave the past in the past," but hey, that's the soil. That's the soil. We got to deal with it. We got to face it. We got to see. How did it contribute to our current situation? Not so we can keep falling, but so that we can rise. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right, yeah, no, exactly.
1: And what, I think- One other thing you said, brother. Okay, go ahead. i get no, to- No, go, go ahead, go ahead, go um, ahead. I wanted to say that, um, oh, the other thing you said about, and I, I like that analogy about, the, about different sorts of black men, military, prison-minded, uh, good, law-abiding, the wise or the, or the uh, educated, or then you have the woke brother, the kumbaya brother. Okay, this, and I would suggest to you that these are not authentic, free Black men. I would suggest these are roles that people find to play that allows them to survive. For example, we're in a hostile world. Okay, we are in a hostile world that will see us dead or will see us arrested, mentally, spiritually, financially, soulfully, any dimension of our being, they attempt to murder or to arrest, right? Some say it's intentional, the gays have it. Some say it's just a product of a machine, of a system accident right whatever we're in a in a reality that tends to our destruction now within the context of that reality right we can become a convict. Right we we struggling we survive we're we're decadent we're dysfunctional click they put the cuffs on us now we're in and out of the system we are trying to survive right we a convict but yo you got to be hard in that you know what I mean survive or. You know, you play by the rules. You be good. You be good, nigger. Hoping you don't get punished. Mm-hmm. I don't want no smoke, master. I'm going to just go to school. I don't want no smoke, master. I'm going to play by the rules you set forth. I ain't even going to put that on, on education, you know. I'll put that more on the kumbaya, brother.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> I'm going to do what you want. I don't want no smoke. I'm not going to be causing no problems. A survival mechanism. I'm gonna play by the rules. I'm gonna roll the dice. I'm gonna go the number of squares you tell me. Whether or not you're looking, I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna. I'm gonna straight and narrow. Right, the good law-abiding brother. Okay, survival mechanism. Even the wise and the woke brother. When you study these brothers on closer inspection, what you find out of all these category are black men trying to find safe havens within a largely aggressive society and world. So that the woke brother can be safely behind a keyboard and sort of preach down to other people and then just look at statues of Egypt all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <and> say, <laughs> you know, look, they did this, they got black skin, you know, back at, you know, Timbuktu, which you know, again, I'm not knocking being woke. I'm not knocking sort of anything. Oh, I recognize definitely. these self-preservation spaces because we learn what happens to true revolutionaries, you know, people that not are not only sort of uh, quasi-informational revolutionaries, but actual revolutionaries. It's a hard way to go, man. And it's, it's the warrior's role, you know, when a warrior You know often ends up you know like our brother Malcolm and Martin and I you know I wanted to say and just really to finish that us as black men a being free free to talk about the circumstances that confront us shamelessly not as if we're looking for excuses but as we are diagnosing properly so that we can find solutions And once we start to find solutions, it doesn't mean the diagnosis stops. You maintain, you keep maintenance on things. We keep learning our past. We keep discovering how it applies to our present and our future. And those of us who are able to do this, it's not our concern that Black men by and large are woke. It's not canons responsibility is not Faya's responsibility to know that black men by and large are coming out of sort of these other safe spaces, these survival modes and just getting by and that they be on our team, right? What we do as men is we are men regardless of the environment because it's who we are on the inside. And as we show that on the outside, what do we do? We raise a standard. We raise a standard because we do it anyway. So eventually, right? Other men's gonna see that be like, yo, damn, yo, I never thought about it that way. Hey man, look, I'm a real man. I'm not intimidated, right? That Faya started this or uh, come on and started this and they doing their thing, you know, let can I, it's like, here's what I got to contribute, right? right yeah and uh and then you know, so that grows so even at the end of the day, if it's only 10 of us out of ten thousand, it don't matter, man, that's the standard. you know what I'm saying and and that's where it is. I mean, like you we can't realistically uh lament over you know everybody that sort of don't make it or is blind or decides to, you know, take a consciousness vaccine.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Know, or just check out, we can't really be, you know, that's not the end game because, you know, that's a defeating before we even start because we know everybody ain't going to make it. Man. Right,
0: and exactly. And, and And I don't see no group that got everybody on board, even successful ones. So I'm like, you know...
1: Or it, even charged with that responsibility.
0: Exactly. So... And I think that's a that's a good way to put it. Those are definitely um, roles. Those are roles of different uh, black men trying to find a safety net or safe haven where they can um, at least feel some sense of um, manhood or whatever it is they're trying to accomplish, or even just safety. And you're absolutely right, because that's what it appears to be. Where, like I said, I see all these different type, uh, you know, black men, and I'm just like, you know, I'll I'll throw something out there, and just thinking that it's all good. And I get these reactions where I personally just feel like that don't correlate with what you're trying to present. Like you're trying to present that you that you don't mind um, basically being man enough to say that what you say is valid in a lot of ways. Um, where if you tell somebody something about yourself as a black man, you don't have to feel like you gotta water it down. Because when you know that you are man enough or human enough or whatever to, to validate yourself, you don't necessarily look for answers or, um, you don't need other people to, um, to validate you. So you don't have to look for that, like, kind of like a child looks for validation because they want to make sure they are doing something right. Like you kind of take that away. Once you realize that as a man, you validate yourself. So like you said, if the guy want to look at pictures, of. uh, of ancient egypt all day and say that's where he from he should never feel like he gotta prove that Right. if he feel like that's where he from and you ask him hey man where you from he should be like i'm egyptian and he should say it with a straight face and a confident body where you feel like oh, all right because then you're gonna respect him as a man but if he like oh yeah uh well i read in the book that me and my people we all come from it's like whoa hold up i'm asking you about you I'm not asking you about all people or all men. I'm asking you where you from. And once you start validating yourself, because um, anybody else can do it. If um, if uh, if an Asian dude right now said he was from somewhere else as as an Asian community, people are going to respect him and say, hey, he a man. He said this is where he from. People are not going to mock him and, and tease him for saying, oh, you don't know nothing because you lost your history. Like it just fell out your pocket one day. It's like, no, first of all, we didn't lose our history. The history ain't necessarily lost as much as people want to say it is. It's just so much, um, you know, people haven't told us certain things, but we find them out. But like I say, um, what I'm really getting at is basically we have to start validating ourselves and being comfortable with that. And I think it will help us grow out of those roles to feel like we need other people to validate us um in these so-called little groups like i say the kumbayas and the militaries and a different type of roles that uh black men seem to play and one thing i wanted to touch on is because you kind of brought up like um how the jewish community can um speak about their traumas and everything that's happened to them as a people freely and it made me think of uh the nick cannon situation i was watching um
1: Hey, bro, 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 yeah, go ahead. I piggyback real quick on something you just said,
0: okay? Go ahead,
1: that because that's that's some fire you're getting into. Say, <laughs> hey, real quick, disclaimer or not a disclaimer, but just clarification I'm not down in brothers who have found spaces or they might have even found their callings in certain realms or certain areas, right? If someone mm-hmm is played by the rules and they are practicing law or mm-hmm. they uh, are writing comic books or they are, you know, or even if they're in a conscious, quote unquote, consciousness movement and it's a man taking care of himself and his family, not a burden to, you know, the community. Hey, everybody has a role to play. Right. Uh, so I'm not really down. I'm not down in that per se. I'm saying for me, ultimately, when we decide what is the solution for us, we need to take leadership and by that, I mean, we as black men need to set the dominant culture for our world. So that when we get the the doctors, the lawyers, the writers, the, uh, you know, the woke people, all these people that energy will be when beneath our dominant culture instead of feeding a dominant culture that's Eurocentric. Exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: So like people find and safe havens within a Eurocentric thing and still paying their taxes and still sort of following uh, mainstream concepts and this and that. We're still feeding that dominant energy which is destructive to us. I think once we take dominant precedence over our world and society, right? People that are not sort of the, the leaders that are not sort of the revolutionaries, cool. They'll have a role to play as long as they loyal. And uh, it's people that's not cut out like that. It's people that's not built like they are gonna get out front and take no arrows. I mean, that's just the truth. Exactly. So they find little places and they good at what they do. And but they waiting on, they waiting on people like us to go ahead and 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 bring a new purpose. Because that's ultimately what happens. The masses tend to follow the few, whether that few be, you know, a few rich white folks, right? That don't have our best intentions mm-hmm. or true truth. And uh, one other thing, I just wanted real quick, when you said, uh, "I want to say," uh, oh yeah, no matter what people do, man, it's good. I just have to ask, does it have a practical role? Like, is it productive? So if I say I'm Egyptian, I would expect you Kanan to say, okay, you Egyptian? All right, what language is that? What is your history? What can you, I should be, you should be able to come to me and I can tell you about Egyptian history. What were the gods? What did the gods believe in? Did I practice as a part of my culture, slavery or uh, what did we do to uh, bodies and or or cats were cats gods or in what instances and all these other things? If I'm gonna claim something, then me as a man, I have to delve into that. I have to know to the same extent I'm gonna know who I am. I can't just say Egyptian because I like the pyramids and because it's you know it's a tight cartoon out where they're flying through the air or I know like it's aligned with the Orion belt or what have you. I can't just accept sort of the glory of something, the commercialization of something and then not really know it if I'm gonna claim it for myself. Otherwise I'm perpetrating, right? So I I respect what every man would say it would do. I ultimately can't pass sentencing on him. But if he come to me and say, yo, I'm Egyptian, I'm a Moor, um, you know. Kemet. I'm a native. I'm actually native to the United States. I'm a Hebrew.
0: Yeah. No matter
1: what he comes to me and says, I'm gonna be like, "Hey, all right, let- let's study that. How much do we know? What can you tell me? Right? Because truth is not uh intimidated by, you know, closer inspection. Exactly man. I just wanted to, before you got well, to, definitely.
0: Like, that's definitely true. That's um, and I, and, I, and I agree because even when some people say that they're American even and I'm like, they don't even know what they're saying. Like you, it's so many different avenues, but like you said, as a man you should know all of those things. If you say you anything, even if you say you black, you should be able to back that up. So you're going to tell me where the country of black is at. Point to it on the map and then maybe I'll consider you saying that you are black otherwise i will so we can hold each other accountable by questioning and say hey we should be solid in what we say but at the same time it'll be like if you were traveling the world and you come across another man and his culture you generally just respect his culture you know like if if somebody um introduced you or brings you into their house or you know Um, invites you into their house, you don't just necessarily come in and criticize and say, oh, this is art. Well, where you get that from and who painted it? You just kind of respect the man's environment. And I think that's something that you see generally amongst men who are actual men. A man don't have a problem respecting another man's um, beliefs. Like you don't have to criticize them because like you said, if you want to have that debate, we can have that debate. But just as casual conversation, Uh, We should be able to have casual conversation without feeling like we have to debate each other necessarily um, to that extent. So I think it is going to be like um, a balance of what you're saying and what I'm saying, basically, which will, will get us to a, yeah, to a common ground where we just, all right, I respect you, you know, like. Now we respect each other as men. We are going to be more comfortable coming around each other because we're not necessarily trying to prove something to each other. Like, oh, I got to come with my stuff together because that's a good and a bad thing for us. It's good because it makes us um, step our game up when we're in the presence of ourselves. And uh, we know that we need to raise the bar high because that's just how we do. Like, people can call it cocky. They don't have to understand us like we understand us. So we know the difference between a black man just saying, hey man, stay on top of your game so that you can be successful versus a, a black man who's just trying to diss you or trying to mock you. You know, we know right,
1: the difference. Right. Um, and so- when you're secure within yourself, see, if I come around you, I don't have to say, I don't have to feel intimidated or assaulted because I know where you're coming from It's not a destructive place. Like you don't have destructive energy toward me. So right. no matter, even when you say something that i may perceive as challenging even if being some see some men that are not some that males that are not men when they're in the presence of another intelligent confident strong black man sometimes they don't know how to deal with that and it will come out as sort of lashing and haterism and and all this stuff yeah I why because they don't have it within themselves but when a real man comes in that presence he's like yo okay this is inspirational
0: right exactly That's
1: some of the things I've been thinking about wow this brother think different he got some ass let right. me set my game up
0: exactly this that's is my
1: the- area over here I'm gonna be over here I'm gonna see what this brother think about this I'm gonna build on that right and like that's that's you know that's how it should be and that's how every true man you know would be in his essence even if he's not even educated he'd be straight out of prison no intellect but he got wisdom
0: exactly and
1: that man can learn he can grow he can be wise even though he's not been to any other institutions uh, of higher learning quote unquote you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying yeah
0: yeah no that's true and um yeah so kind of like i was getting back to um you brought a point you brought up a point and I was just going to mention a Nick Cannon situation because he did speak out about his truth or whatever. And he basically got, um, labeled or titled, um, you know, anti-Jewish anti-Semitic. Yeah. So, um, I was watching like another little podcast, uh, on YouTube. Um, a guy named Dr. Boyce Watkins. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but um, he kind of was talking about the Nick Cannon situation and um, they were kind of coming from an angle saying that uh, the black male is getting um, they were talking about buck breaking. You familiar with that term? Yeah. Yeah. So they was just saying how how that's kind of still happening in society where a black man with a certain um, level of celebrity status or financial status speak out against or not even speak out against somebody, but speak their truth. And then they get labeled and they basically get brought down, right? And he was saying how he felt Nick Cannon shouldn't have apologized. And he was just going on about some things that he thought. He wasn't really dissing Nick Cannon. He was just kind of having a discussion about it. And um, it just made me start thinking about when those type of situations happen, I think that celebrities put themselves in such a bubble that um, when they do face the reality of like white supremacy or whatever they going up against. Um, they put themselves in such a bubble against the, the common man, the everyday man that um, they become more vulnerable than they think. And they'll speak out against these people. And then when those people take their money and they cash, they forced to apologize because they so caught up in their celebrity where they thought this was a good idea to act, uh, pro-black or be a part of the struggle until somebody take food out your mouth and now because you're not it's not really about the struggle you apologize and you're more willing to um to be buck par se because um you don't want to go back down with the common man or you haven't networked with the common man um to even build your support so if you were to go against uh, your oppressor that you will have the support of the black community. And I think a lot of times we see that even with celebrities is that people will say, oh, look what they did to Bill Cosby or look what they did to R. Kelly. And I think a lot of times those celebrities don't realize how much damage they do to themselves by um, trying to speak on issues without really gaining the support of the common man. Like when you look at Malcolm X or Martin Luther King, they weren't too, they weren't too good to sit down and talk with, with the common folk, basically, you know what I mean? Like if you don't have no kind of connection with the people on ground level, you're not going to have any success at that higher level, which is why I, I feel like we don't see a lot of celebrities um, do a lot of pro black things is because I think they miss that uh, component when it comes to black men really sticking together. Like you can't even be too high on your horse to say, I'm gonna fight this fight by myself because I'm rich and powerful because the seconds you find out how not rich and powerful you are you make us all quote unquote look bad because now you apologize and begging and pleading but you was representing a strong black male two weeks ago so a lot of this stuff just basically kind of ties in together where um I just feel like black men have this feeling where we know we want to speak out and we want to be more free about the things that we do but um, there's still a disconnect with what we're really up against because we can't really divide ourselves so much where we think we can fight these fights alone. Like It, it, it will have to be collective if we ever really want to have that sense of, uh, of manhood or empowerment where we don't have other people criticizing us and it, and it um, basically dismantling our movement, if that makes sense. So I was just kind of rambling, putting it all together. Um, to get it out, but basically, um, I wanna see more of a collective effort between all levels of black men if they if we really wanna gain that sense of uh manhood back because I feel like it's really being lost um with time as time go on. You just see more and more disrespect for the black men in movies where a black male will be getting beat up by a little white girl or something. And it's just like, come on, man. Like, I know that's not necessarily true, but it's, it does get, you get tired of seeing it and to the point where you like, even the guy who's acting in the role needs to be more conscious of what he's doing. Now, I know you got to eat. We all have to eat, but we have to be more conscious if we're serious about really becoming men in, in such a society.
1: Facts, man, facts. One thing you said was, uh, so yeah, the thing I would say about this celebrity and Nick Cannon, Nick Cannon, Cosby, R. Kelly, uh, yes, in the same sort of vein where, well, just real quick flashback and then flash forward, flashback in history. One of the tactics of white supremacy was to say Let's study this Black community or with unity, community of people. And let's uh, see, right? We notice that the most intelligent, the most motivated, driven ones amongst them, if we leave them amongst them, will tend to be the rabble-rousers. They will tend to be the ones that stir up discontent, a hankering for education and book learning. You know, these ones that are, you know, when you see in the young black boy, when you put a book in front of him, if his eyes start to light up, if you see him sneaking from the corner of his eye, looking at them letters, you might wanna whoop him. Mm -hmm. Or you might wanna let him on in the house. Let him in the house, give him a book to read, be nice to him, give him some of the food. Ironically, reward him for wanting to read it. Mm -hmm. Tell him how special he is, tell him how different he is than the rest of the niggers. And when we raise him like that, actually what we can do is harness his talents. He might wind up inventing things that's gonna make us money in the future he might wind up inventing things that we can benefit off of. We can learn him and then what can, what also would happen? He will be raised up as a standard for the rest of the niggers to want to be like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They can see what Masa did for him right. and you'll find the rest of the niggers trying to follow that same pattern. Mm-hmm. Even though there's not enough spaces for every, all the niggers to be that, they can all aspire to be that and we can use the one, two or few that we pluck from amongst them and use them and the rest of the niggers will live vicariously. So the rest of the niggers will look at that one and say, look how we made it. And this sort of a uh, notion of plucking the best and the brightest from the black community. I don't mean that there are not bright people and that there are, there's not a, uh, talent in the community and everything. I mean that the moment it starts to become expressed, right, the establishment and the system can then reward those individual, i.e. pulling them out, right? Now they're living in a different place. They're getting a salary, they're getting big money. But what's the condition of that? They're plucking them from the community. Now, whether they're acting or singing or hosting shows and everything like this, they're doing that for mainstream. So it's still sort of the same ploy. And and, and the thing is you get black folks who otherwise would be talented, who could be really part of movements within our people when we had to live together. Now that we have the option of going mainstream, a lot of the talent gets recruited to mainstream and what? They get dependent on mainstream. They get well fed. By the time they build a life, get a house, build a family, have a standard of living, and and I imagine the the white folks are so nice to them in those circles, especially when they're used to being abused and spat upon. Man, when they find themselves in a place where they're in the highest echelons of ecstasy with white folks. That's a real hard psychological reality to fall from. So you establish, and God forbid they got a couple wild parties or videos of them under their belt. You know, who knows? Right. Nowadays, right. all they need is a few people to come forward with an accusation. Yeah. Uh, oh, he gave me a Benadryl and he broke the breast. Yeah. Ten years? Really?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would say that this is a cautious thing for the black man who would be successful. When you have your talents and you invest them in mainstream, yeah, there's a reward system, but it's a sticks and a carrot system. So you, you can get that bag, but if you you gotta know when you take that bag, when you sign a contract with the devil, once you step out of line or violate the fine print, guess what? You, that's your soul, bro. That's your ass. Yeah. <laughs> hit you with a stick? <laughs> and uh, Nick Cannon, I think the whole buck breaking thing, hey, it's true. I don't know how much of a. See, Nick Cannon, you're right. He had a platform, and just the fact of him speaking that message was powerful. Not that he mm-hmm. acted per se like uh, if he was like that quintessential buck per se was intelligent Interviewed people a lot of those things that were perceived as threatening even once he identified himself as a as a hebrew i would imagine that he did studies and he's got historical evidence and trails to back that up respect right,
0: right. but
1: when he calculated that i'm gonna put that out here see a warrior right. when the warrior put it out there he says this is it this yep. kamikaze right here this is all or nothing